Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Abby and I followed very similar footsteps. We both had great parents. And when I graduated from high school, I was already working on boats seven days a week and, and six nights a week. And my dad said, uh, you got to go to college. And I said, well, I don't know if the college is for me. I know I'm going to be a fisherman when I grow up. He says, no, you got to go to college. So we finally compromised that one, one semester. And in Abby's case, he was dead set on being a fisherman or at least an outdoor writer and his dad said you know you got this uh college program where uh the state's gonna pay for you to go to college you gotta go to college no dad i really need to go fishing no you gotta go to college and and both of our fathers said well if you're not gonna go to college you're gonna be fishermen do a good job of it and i think we've both done a great job of enjoying life and just being good people Hey, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Waypoint TV, as always, continues to grow, man. This thing is churning away. So many people are putting their shows over on Waypoint TV. You got hunting shows, fishing shows, short films, all kinds of content, whether you like fly fishing or ice fishing or saltwater fishing or whatever kind of fishing you like, there's some shows over there. They're all free, and you can go there. You can get them on your phone, on your tablet on your computer, on your Apple TV at home. You can get them pretty much any which way you want. And if you can't get enough of Waypoint TV that way, you can go to Instagram, waypointtv.fishing, waypointtv.boating, waypointtv.hunting, Waypoint TV. That's the place to go. While you're on Instagram, you can follow me, Tom underscore Roland. And I'm putting, well, I got a little more active on Instagram lately. Been putting up a few more posts, trying to, Keep in touch with people. It's a great way to keep in touch with me. And I find a lot of our guests through following people on Instagram. So one of the people that I 
like to follow on Instagram is a legendary sport fishing captain in South Florida. When I say legendary, I mean he embodies legendary. 52 years as a charter fisherman in Miami Beach. And he's been all over the place, been all over the world. He's guided in the keys. His name is Captain Bouncer Smith. He has been on the podcast before. He's one of my favorite guests because he tells stories. He is a good storyteller, and he has a lot of them. It, with 52 years of charter fishing, this guy has a lot of stories. So last time, we finished the podcast, and then we talked for another 30 or 40 minutes. And I was kicking myself thinking, man, I should have recorded this too because there was some really good stuff that that happened in that conversation. So I wanted to go back to Bouncer and our schedules were super tight, so tight that I had to meet him at his dock at 6 a.m. in the morning. So you're going to hear sounds of the harbor. You're going to hear, you know, cruise ship horns and tugboats and Bouncer's mate, A.B., comes down and he's getting the boat ready while we're doing this podcast. So I don't know, in one way or another, it's kind of cool because it is the sounds of the morning the sounds of a fishing morning even the even the uh the customer comes down who is none other than marty arostegui one of the probably holds as many if not more world records than anyone getting ready to go fishing with bouncer this morning very cool i mean the whole thing was just super cool you got a legendary captain you got a legendary angler you got a legendary mate and we're able to just kind of sit in so that's kind of kind of what you're that's what you're gonna hear and feel this is a standard morning for bouncer smith and i just happened to be sitting there was able to get a microphone in front of him so i hope you'll enjoy this conversation with bouncer smith and here we go all right sitting down here 6 a.m in the morning i've been waiting for bouncer smith to join me and i knew something was wrong because a 30-year charter guide does not show up late. So it turns out I was in the wrong. I was sitting at the wrong place. But now I'm sitting right by Bouncer's boat, Bouncer's Dusky 33. And he brought me some coffee. And I wanted to catch up with you this morning because last time we did this amazing podcast. And when we finished, we continued to talk on and on for another <laughs> 30 minutes. So I wanted to hear about some of the things that I heard there the fishing to make a difference and the stuff that you're doing with kids? Oh, boy, I, I love dealing with the kids. And, you know, it's an interesting thing when you're 25 or 30 years old. A mentor will say, here, you need money to get your car fixed. Let me help you out or or uh, any number of different things that older people have saved long enough that they're able to do things. And you're struggling to keep the family fed and a roof over your head. Now I'm at that age in my life where I've got time and finances to be able to give back. And there's nothing better than giving back to these, not just the kids that are sick, but their families as well. Right. And you take a mom and dad and a, and a kid who's been sick and they've had it tough. But just think about that sick kid's brother or sister or brothers and sisters. Right. That's very they've true. They've been literally ignored. They've been shoveled off to grandma and grandpa, whatever the case may be, because all the attention is on the sick kids. So Fish to Make a Difference was founded by Clay Barker. And the 
premise was Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital up in the Hollywood. And we would take sick kids and the family out for a few hours of fishing. And we've gone snook fishing at the inlet. We've gone fishing for uh, pinfish with little kids in the yeah. bay. We've gone tarpon fishing and, and sail fishing and whatever it takes to have a good time. And then I had one of the highlights of my life this last uh, late December. Clay Barker called me up and he says, uh, we've got a little girl who is really, really in big trouble. She's got cystic fibrosis. Her father passed away this past summer of cystic fibrosis. Hers has attacked her, her cystic fibrosis, which is in the lungs, has attacked her liver. And now it's deteriorating her pancreas. And she's in big trouble. Well, I had I have a white beard, so I let my beard grow a little longer. Yeah. And now I let it go even further. And and I had a full white beard and Clay Barker asked me to play Santa Claus. So we had a Christmas party for this eight year eight year old girl named Dolly. And one of the highlights of the night was there was a little girl named Kara who had heard about this Christmas party. And she had been saving money all year to buy a brand new rod and reel. Her dad says, I can't afford to buy it for you, but I'll split the cost with you. So they, she was saving money all year to buy a brand new rod and reel. Her father read about this girl, Dolly, on uh, the Internet, and he told Kara about Dolly. And Dolly said, well, you know, I did really good at saving money this year, but this little girl's really needs a big Christmas. So I want to take my savings and buy her Christmas presents. I've got a rod and reel that work, works, and I can save up the money again to buy my special rod and reel. So she uh, she took all of her savings and she bought presents for Dolly, wow. this eight-year-old girl. This, this Kara is seven years old, and she put in all her money to buy presents, and then we had this Christmas party and we had the two girls and Clay Barker and his wife and and uh, the two girls' fathers. And it was just a great Christmas party. The girls built prefab gingerbread houses and they had sandwiches and cupcakes. And we had a pile of presents for the eight-year-old Dolly to open up. I'm a, I'm a big fan of stretching out opening presents. So <laughs> they would bring us a present and... We would spend five minutes trying to guess what was in there, and I would come up with the goofiest answers like, this is probably a pony or this is a box of marshmallows or whatever it may be, and we just had a ball. And at, as we were driving home, I told Clay Barker, I said, you know, we got to take care of Kara. She gave up her rod and reel, so we got to get her a rod and reel. So Clay said he would try to take care of it. Well, he got wrapped up in other goings on. He's got a whole bunch of grandchildren and stuff that he has to worry about and daughters. And, but at any rate, the rod and reel didn't get acquired. And then Clay got the flu. So that set us back some more. So the first day I had a chance, I had already found the company that makes this rod and reel on the internet, but I finally uh, called him up and I bought the rod and reel and had it shipped to me. And then this it came last Wednesday, so we contacted the father. Can you bring the daughter down here? And I contacted a lady who chipped in on the rod and reel, and she could make it. And Clay was still sick with the flu. 
But we were down here on the dock with a big bag of ballyhoo, and Kara and her dad showed up. And Kara and now, mind the Christmas party, I was dressed up as Santa yeah. Claus. But she came down this ramp right here, and I says, "Hey, how you doing?" She turns to her dad. She says, "I know that voice from somewhere." <laughs> so I explained to her that Santa Claus often calls me to fill in for him when he's really busy, <laughs> and the, and the Christmas party was just before Christmas, so it was very practical. But at any rate, she f- had never fed tarpon before, so she fed the tarpon, I don't know, 35 or 40 ballyhoo. And, and at first, she was completely intimidated, and then she got braver as time went on. And she was feeding the tarpon, and and then we uh, surprised her with her selected rod and reel, and she was thrilled with that. And then you want to see somebody infatuated. She got on the boat. And she inspected every hatch on the boat. Oh, yeah. But both of those little girls, to make their lives better was such a thrill. Yeah. And uh, I'm really looking forward to taking both the girls and Clay's grandson fishing in the very near future. So well, that's cool. And so with a story like that, that must really motivate you to want to do this more and more and, and more. Is that a strategy that you have of spending more time doing doing these things? Maybe. You can do almost anything you want. We're allowed to be 45 minutes. This is A.B. Raymond. A.B., He's been with you? me for 10 years. He's trying to tiptoe around, yeah, not make okay, any man. noise. But it's okay. We only need a couple of kite rods, if that many, but heavy on the spinners. So ask your question again. Everybody. Well, I was just saying that you had such a rewarding experience with that. Is that motivating you to want to do this more and more? That's an interesting question because want, want is a big word. I'm approaching 71. I've been heavy my whole life. I've been on a boat my whole life. I've been, you cut me shorter than you said 30 years. I've really been doing this 52 years. I, I know. So. What, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, 30 years is a long time to do one is. thing. 52 is real long. But at any rate, my body is getting very tired. So as much as I want to do more with the kids, I'm limited by what I can physically keep up with anymore. I run charters six days a week and and supposed to run a couple of charters at night just because that's my favorite fishing. And then trying to get a couple of kids in with the trips, it's challenging, but I still keep working at it. So Yeah, but Fish to Make a Difference, now that's a television show too? Yeah, they just became a television show here recently. And we did their very first show and we're scheduled to have another show, but they've had some production problems or uh, airtime problems on our second show. But the bottom line is, is that uh, they were on Sun Sports, and they were voted the number one show of the now just finished quarter of uh, television ratings. Number one show on Sun Sports, number one outdoor show. So nice. It was quite an honor, and and I'm sure that a lot of that came back to the fact that every show was dealing with kids who had some challenge or another medically. And also, when they did the show, they did a very good job of explaining why they existed, you know, what their what their goals and objectives were. So, Yeah. Well, it's always nice. I like to watch any time that we can bring fishing into helping people. You know, the Redbone Tournament was a really, was a really beneficial tournament for cystic fibrosis. You mentioned cystic fibrosis, and that it was always nice to participate in those. But, uh, but the, the one-on-one stuff where you have you know, either a Make-A-Wish Foundation show or or something like what you're doing, that's 
incredibly rewarding. Uh, if you haven't done it, you owe it to yourself to do it. If you own a, we have a new program in South Florida, which if you uh, follow me on uh, Instagram or Facebook at Captain Bouncer or Bouncer's Dusky, if you follow me, we'll be announcing the dates for a mission fishing trip here in Miami. They run these up in Pompano on a regular basis, but we're coming to Miami. We're going to be here at Miami Beach Marina. And we look for volunteers to donate their boat time for a Saturday morning. And we bring kids and their families from one challenge or another. And the volunteers take them fishing for half a day. And if it's... they. They did one in Pompano, and it was real rough. So R.J. Boyle's uh, studios donated rig double-hook ballyhoo, uh-huh. and they trolled around an intercoastal waterway with double-hook ballyhoo. And who would think that you would catch, you would expect to maybe catch a couple of barracudas, but they caught snook and mutton really? snappers and barracudas and bluefish. Just all kinds of stuff on double hook rig value wow. trolling the intercoastal waterway. And up there, they don't have a place like Biscayne Bay. We can, These boats can take the kids in Biscayne Bay and there's sea trout and bluefish and mackerel and uh, mutton snappers and groupers. And if it's a nice day, you take them out in the ocean and target those species. So. Yeah. Well, if, you're, if your body is getting tired... That was kind of what I was wondering about. If you're if you're having trouble doing this personally, it sounds like working that way that you're kind of recruiting other people to help to to do this with with those type of of things. Is oh, there yeah. is there more sure. of a of a of a future in that of of trying to you know bring the community involved and and getting more of those kind of days going? That plus the fact that. I have a guy that's worked with me for 10 years. His name's A.B. Raymond, just the greatest guy in the world. And and as long as I can get down this ramp and over this rail, all I have to do is sit here and he'll do everything else. He does everything else? Everything. I mean, from <laughs> rigging the rods to baiting the hooks to pulling the anchor. You know, for 20 years, I didn't even use a mate. I mean, which is not surprising to you because, you know, right. a lot of guys in the industry work alone. Well, when I turned... Uh, when I got into my 50s, I got a bigger boat, and I was getting tired, so I started using a mate. And Luckily, after a few years of it, I met A.B., and uh, we just have such a smooth program. So you guys have been working for 10 years? Yeah. And A.B.'s right here getting ready, getting the boat all ready right now. He's trying to be quiet, but he doesn't have to. And so how did, how did you meet A.B.? He was a dock rat. He uh, grew up going to... F- fishing club meetings at South Point Park and and he graduated to hanging around Miami Beach Marina and got hooked up with the rental boat company here and he was cleaning boats for them and prepping them and fueling them up for uh, rental boat trips and hanging around the dock and you know we were a hundred feet apart so he'd see our catches come in every day and we had a couple other great captains here and and he just came over one day and says, hey, I'm A.B., and you've seen me around. I want to go fishing with you. I said, what are you doing tomorrow? He says, nothing. I says, okay, we're going sword fishing. Let's go. So, Did you catch one on the maiden voyage? Did we catch one on the maiden voyage? I believe we did, yes. Really? 200-pounder yeah. on the first try? Yeah. That's pretty good. So he's, uh, And then after that, he just starts working for you? and then Yeah, he worked his way up. He started part-time, a lot of the tarpon trips at night and filling in when my other mate wanted a day off. And 
as soon as I did a few trips with him, I knew he was the future for me. And he was actually, I was actually told I couldn't hire him. We had a, a guy on the dock here, a guy named Matt, who describes himself as the uh, president of the mates and captains union. And, and the only people he represents are those who are trying to go to work for me. And, and he's really been a great help because over the years he's come over many, many times and says, you know, you're burning this mate out. You got to get him some time off one way or another. In A.B.'s case, he says, no, you can't hire A.B. He's got to go to college. And A.B. didn't finish college either. So yeah, A.B. and I followed very similar footsteps. We both had great parents. And when I graduated from high school, I was already working on boats seven days a week and, and six nights a week. And my dad said, you got to go to college. And I said, well, I don't know if the college is for me. I know I'm going to be a fisherman when I grow up. He says, no, you got to go to college. So we finally compromised. I want one semester. And in Abe's case, he was dead set on being a fisherman or at least an outdoor writer. And his dad said, you know, you got this uh, college program where uh, the state's going to pay for you to go to college. You got to go to college. No, Dad, I really need to go fishing. No, you got to go to college. And and both of our fathers said, well, if you're not going to go to college, you're going to be fishermen. Do a good job of it. And yeah. I think we've both done a great job of of uh, enjoying life and uh, just being good people. So well, we both tried at it. That's, in, that's really important. The college thing, that's that's always a, uh, that's, that's, that's tough when you've got a paying job that you're really enjoying. It's tough to try to decide is, is going and sitting in a classroom right for me right now. And that's a, that's a fine line that we've had to walk with our, with our kids. It's kind of like, okay, well, do you really know what you want to do right now? And they say, no. So I say, well, maybe college is a good thing for you because if you don't know what you want to do, that's totally different than if you do know what you, if you are dead set on this path of being a fisherman and that's exactly what you're going to do and you have this roadmap laid out for you. Okay, great. Take off, go down that road. But if you don't know, and you're just kind of hanging around wondering what, it, if you're ever going to kind of lightning's going to strike and, and you're going to know what you want to do. Well, maybe that's somebody that needs to go to college and kind of, you know, work it out. So I'm approaching 71 years old. And I can tell you, in hindsight, I wish I'd have gone to college. Really? Well, I've been, I've been a very lucky, successful businessman. But if I had gone to college, I would have been better at knowing about running a business. I could have known a lot more about approaching sponsors. Like, I have a few sponsorships, but... There are guys in the fishing business, as you know, that there's, they're, they're not only getting materials, they're getting financial help with their businesses, which I've almost never gotten because I, I never went to college. And, and as, I've gone, as I've gotten older, and it wouldn't apply in my case, but a kid today learning about how to use the Internet for advertising, uh, all, the, all the electronics of today, a guy today could really help himself by going to college. Yeah. But that being said, I have a good friend who has two sons. One son is really, really book smart. And he went to college and he's doing a really great job with the college education. 
the other son could fix anything, could fix it, figure out how to fix anything. But he couldn't stand books. Mm-hmm. And he didn't go to college. And he's doing great as well in life. So so college isn't for everybody. No. But a little bit of college, like a junior college two-year program, I don't think any kid should pass it. Well, education is for everyone. And that education can come in many forms. And sometimes it's college. And sometimes it's it's real-world experience. And sometimes it's... Uh, learning on your own on the internet, you know, yeah. like you can, you can pretty much learn anything and there's all kinds of online classes and all kinds of things that, that people can do. But the education is super important to continue no to. It. That's, that's one thing I'd like to pass on. You know, you talk about helping kids. One thing I'd like to pass on to those kids is the importance of an education, one type or another, using Abe again as an example, one of his best friends went to a maritime school. And we've, Avi and I have watched him go through the ranks of this ship I'm on is out of ketchup and the, and the crew only knows one ingredient and that's curry help <laughs> <laughs> to now he's a, uh, now he's a licensed ocean op ocean sea captain. He can operate any ship in the world except for sailing ships. Wow. Again, that was a different avenue as opposed to a business degree or a medical degree or anything else. He went to maritime school, had the school of hard knocks working his way up, but now he knows what ship he's going to be on all the time. He sends us pictures fishing from a 900-foot ship or 700-foot, whatever it is, but he sends us pictures where he's out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico on an oil tanker catching 100-pound yellowfins from 90 feet in the air, and he drops a grapple hook down, hooks them, they hook it up to the ship's winch and haul them on board. So well, He's the most popular person on the boat as soon as that happens. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, he, the last one he caught, he's in charge of overseeing the transfer of the oil from the oil rig to the ship. So he gets them started. He goes over, hooks a big yellowfin tuna, gives the rod to another guy, goes back to overseeing the the transfer comes back at two hours later and it's no flight. He takes over, winds it up in 10 minutes because by now the tuna is as tired as the angler, right. winds it up, hauls it up on the deck and goes back to transferring oil. Does so, he have a lot of good recipes for curry tuna? He is a fan. Well, no, now he's on, <laughs> on much more advanced ships and, and he has his own uh, cupboard in the galley because he's a gourmet chef. He prepares all kinds of meals on this. And it's not even his job. He just tells the chef, hey, I'm making tuna or I'm making mahi. That's cool. So that maritime school that he went to, was that like a, an academy, like the, the Merchant Mariner Suny Academy? SUNY Maritime, right? Okay. SUNY, SUNY Maritime. Yeah, because there's also like each one of the branches of, of the military, you know, the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, they all have academies. But then the Merchant Mariners also have an academy, which yeah. I would, I didn't know until I started looking at schools for my son. And there were some amazing opportunities there to go out on those ships and become welders and, and become, you know, they, were, they taught, taught you how to do all kinds of things. But the guy was talking to my son and he was like, listen, most people go and they get a loan and they go deep into debt. If you come here, you're going to get paid. And as soon as you get finished, you're going to get a job that pays you know, around $120,000. Yeah. And 
the swing between that and being, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt when you get out of school, you know, trying to work your way out of this giant hole, the swing is amazing. I mean, those kids are getting out and they're getting this amazing job and traveling the world. It sounded like a pretty cool opportunity to me. As long as long as you don't need a family life. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that. if you work on a ship like this guy, he's got a really great job. He doesn't spend a penny when he's on the ship. So he's making over six figures. He's not spending any money for months at a time, but he can't see his girlfriend. He can't, he, you don't go to birthday parties, weddings, funerals, whatever it is. You miss it yeah. for six, for three months. Yeah, and then you're this... home for three months and go fishing every day and diving and, and you live life large for three months. But it's part of the price of that, of that quality of job. You take a guy like A.B., A.B. makes a decent living, never get rich being a fisherman. But I heard an expression recently that this young man in the fishing industry said, I'm making a fabulous life. Yeah. I may not make the most money, but I'll enjoy every day of, of my life and I can still pay my bills. So, Well, they say if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, yep. which I don't necessarily agree with because I love what I do and, and we work harder than anybody I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I may be talking to the person that has the story of working the hardest I've ever, no, I've ever heard. No, he's over there. Yeah, now he is. <laughs> he's over there. He He loves it when it's one foot seas and the selfish or the, or whatever fitting for a button like crazy. But when we, when he comes to work in the morning, he says, you know, it's blowing 25 knots, which is 30 miles an hour. Are we really going fishing? I says, yeah, we're going fishing. <laughs> it's, oh no, this job ain't no fun today. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, finding that, finding that, that, I mean, when you're talking about working with kids and you're talking about trying to, to instill the value of education, there's also instilling the value of of finding something that you really, really enjoy. Some people call it, you know, finding your passion. Some people call it whatever. What do you think about kind of directing these kids to to understanding that there might be more than sitting in a cubicle somewhere or there might be more, you know, there there's there's more. Well, to, Using myself as an example, by being in the fishing business, I raised a son and, and was happily married for 35 years. We always had a roof over our head. We always had dinner. Uh, I, I'm in a position now where I actually have enough income and reserves that I can do things for other people on numerous occasions, whether a, a prime example, and I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, but the other morning I went out to breakfast. And I'm sitting there, and four Coasties come in, four guys in the Coast Guard. Now, they're not getting paid right now. They have to work. They're not getting paid right now. But they're out there watching out for our well-being every day. And as any full-grown adult knows, most guys in the military are sacrificing their time, their family life, and they're not making a real big paycheck. So I called the waitress over. They had just sat down. I gave her $60. And I says, got those guys' breakfast is on me. And don't say anything about where it came from. Just pay for their breakfast. Nice. So, so having an opportunity to give back is great. But where I was headed was being in the business that I've been in my whole life, I was fortunate enough to work for eight or nine different captains very early in my career. 
Some of them were great marlin fishermen. Some of them were great salesmen because a fisherman has to be a salesman. Some of them were great entertainers. And some of them were just hardcore fishermen. But the bottom line was I learned a lot of things, a lot about a lot of different methods to get me started in the game. And then I developed a lot of stuff on my own. And then because of the career I've had, I was all expenses paid. I went to uh, Italy and taught how to fish for swordfish. I go to Cosimo, I mean, uh, the Cayman Islands every year, and I run a swordfish tournament. I took a boat down to Cozumel in the early days of Cozumel when that was the selfish capital of the world. I took a boat down there and brought it back. Fortunately, <laughs> that was a story in itself. I have fished all these different places. I spent five summers in Ocean City, Maryland, a summer in Oregon, Inland, North Carolina. I've fished Cape Cod several times. And I, and I get to go fishing every day right here and then not go on vacations. I go fishing again. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. My vacations are Oregon for sturgeon and and uh, Springfield, Missouri for the hunting and fishing museum. And, and then we got to go uh, smallmouth bass fishing while we're there because we never caught one of them. It's just such a great career opportunity. I've been to St. Thomas numerous times. Just you get to see the whole as much of the world as you want. Yeah, but there's there's something to it, though, that there's there's more to it than just liking it and wanting to do it like on the last time that we talked you you have an amazing work ethic you have you're not afraid to put in the work some and and sometimes with the younger people they need to understand the difference between just liking something and liking something enough to where you're willing to do things that other people would never do or never expect you to do like work all day and then do a night trip for 10 days in a row or whatever it may be that when I talk to a lot of young people, the work part, the ethic part of just it takes hard work. Yes, we live in a world right now that you could make anything happen. You can be anything, do anything. You live in the greatest country there is. There are no limitations. But you still got to put in the work that that seems like if you were to give someone advice on that. Like, what did it take to do all of those things that you just did, that you just said, all the travel and all of that, that didn't just come because you're a nice guy. That came because you're a nice guy and you have an incredible work ethic. And for 52 years, you've been putting it, putting it out there. What you say is very true, but I have to go back to A.B. again. A.B. is 30 years old. He knows that he has to make a living. He knows that he's doing what he really loves to do. And there are days that he says, God, he's going to make me go out in those five to seven foot seas. And his worth ethic is, if I have to do the job, I have to do the job. He knows that. But let's turn it around a little bit. He was working for me and he quit because he was working seven days a week and a few nights a week. And he was about to get married. And his future wife says, I'm not going to be married married to somebody that's never home. So he also had the ethics to understand that married life, a commitment to a woman in your life or a spouse, whichever way it may be, requires that you know when to fold. You can't just go fishing because you want to go fishing or because it's how you make a living. 
You also have to commit to the fact that if the boat's going fishing on Sunday, I don't care. Not, oh, I'll put up with it. I'll stay home with the wife. I don't care if this boat's going fishing. I'm going to spend time with my wonderful wife. And if the boat catches a giant swordfish while I'm gone, that's life. I got to spend a day with this beautiful woman. And she's going to give me children over the years and, and 70 years of happiness. So I'm gonna, I have a commitment to her as well. Right. And it's very important in life. It's my sister talks about all the time because we always talk about getting a dog. Because my sister and I are both dog people and we share a condominium. And, and repeatedly we talk about the commitment of owning a dog or the commitment of having children. So many people today say, you know, I think I'd love to have a son and a daughter. And then from the time they're born until the time they go off to college, they're raised by somebody other than mom and dad. And if you're going to have kids and you have to have the commitment that you're going to be home at night at a reasonable hour so you can play catch with the kids or go to their baseball game or go to their ballet recital or whatever it is. And it goes all through life, commitments and and commitments to having fun, making a living. That's just part of the game. Yeah. So how does that conversation go when, when A.B., you get him up to speed as your mate and you've got him working seven days a week and a few nights, and then he, he says that he wants to uh, – maybe maybe spend a little more time at home how does that i mean as a as an employer you know you've now gotten this person up to speed but you care about them you and you you see like if he keeps going on this road that girl's gonna she's not gonna be around anymore oh no he didn't ask if i thought he should quit he said i did quit i quit (laughs) and it took me about six months to get the knife pulled out of my back it wasn't just a knife. It was a full-blown machete. But I found a real good kid to replace him for a couple of years. And he went off, and he, he was still in the fishing business, but he learned a whole other style and, and sales approach and, a, you know, approaches to the whole game. And then he came back, and he was better because he had another teacher in between. So... So we both came out ahead in the game. Yeah. He knew he knew how much fun I was to work for now. And and he knew he only had to work five uh six days a week. And he could almost always convince me not to work on a Sunday. Almost always convince me not to work on a Sunday. <laughs> and and now life is really good. We like I say, we don't even we don't even have to talk to each other. Yeah. I tell him we're going kite fishing and that's all I had to say. We're we're going anchor fishing for mackerel. I don't have to tell them anything else. So, so, AB, what is your favorite style of fishing with Bouncer? He's like most fishermen. His favorite style of fishing is catching. Yeah. <laughs> but AB and I have so many lucky opportunities. We had a great trip this summer. We had, and you brought it to mind. We had a serviceman who had served his time in the military. Got a educational fund from the military and went to a school in Key West where a lot of the school was learning about diving. And I don't know where he's going, but probably out on Fleming Key, maybe wherever it was, that big but, tower out there. That's... But anyway, he was learning a lot about diving and he was going to a school in Key West on a military scholarship. And he was from the Panhandle of Florida. And he called me up and he says, 
I see you're really good at this Kubera snapper fishing. My dad and I want to go. I'll bring the lobsters so we don't have to buy lobsters, and we'll meet at your boat, and we'll go fishing. So we agreed on a date, and it was the last day we were Kubera snapper fishing in 2018. A mistake on my part, I might add. But they showed up, and Dad brought his favorite grouper fishing rod. And it's a seven-foot solid glass rod with a Penn Center Nino full of eighty brand-new 80-pound monofilament. And I said, well, you're more than welcome to bring it along. But to be quite honest with you, we use these six-foot pen stand-up rods. They're, they're easier to deal with. They don't give the fish the advantage. And we use dual-speed pen internationals because you can shift into low gear and still wind when the fish is pulling really hard. And we use braid because it's easier to feel the bottom. But you can bring it along, and we'll give it a try if, if it works out that way. So we had caught numerous Kubera snappers on this trip now. And I told A.B., I says, let's drop a lobster on his rod, see if we can get lucky. Well, I'll have to show you the picture, but this old man had a smile that went right past his ears on both sides. On his solid glass rod with his 9-0 Senator, with his monofilament line and all the handicaps, he and his son tag-teamed a 100-pound Kubera snapper on his own rod. And in the picture, his son is holding the Kubera snapper, and he's holding the rod, and his arms are in the air, and his smile just keeps right on going. Damn near took the top of his head off. He was smiling so (laughs) much. So not all of our rewarding trips are 8-year-olds. Sometimes they're 78-year-olds. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's important for for somebody like that to to catch something on their own rod. That's awesome. So the Kubera snapper, did you have a, a really strong season this year? What is Extremely the season? Extremely good. We fished the full moon in August and September. Yeah. And the reason that we do that, we've gone down there even when they were biting. Let's drop a chunk of bonita. Nope, no bites. Let's try blue crabs. Nope, no bites. I have learned over the years, if you really want to be successful, you go down there with lobsters. And, and... So we have to fish. The mini season, a couple of times, has fallen near the full moon, and yeah. that is really good. But they <laughs> seem to be smaller yeah. on the mini season. But at any rate, the mini season in July, the full moon in August and September have proven to be very effective. This year, I wasn't, this past year, I wasn't real sure how good it was going to be because there's been a lot of, lot of pressure on them the last couple of years. So I didn't book any Kubera trips in September. I only booked them in August. Because then you're fishing the earliest in the season and less pressure has been put on them. And and it was phenomenal. We had one trip with 10 fish, and I think we had another trip with eight fish. The other trip that we ran, we, we never put a line in the water. We were a camera boat for a TV show, and uh, they caught a few fish. It wasn't quite like fishing with us, but <laughs> they caught a couple anyway. And then on the mini season, we... Uh, we took R.J. Boyle, and we had quite a few bites on that trip, too. But on the mini season, again, the fish were much smaller. Makes them harder to hook on a live lobster yeah. than when they get bigger. So, Yeah, I would imagine. Well, it takes a big mouth to eat a lobster. No doubt. And those those fish have the draw, jaw structure to just tear the thing apart. Oh, yeah, so you better believe it. I would imagine that you mentioned smallmouth bass. They eat a lot of crawfish. And sometimes the crawfish is big enough to... You know, they can just eat the whole thing, but other times they bite it and tear it apart 
And I would imagine that with the jaw structure of those things, they're biting it and tearing it apart all the time. Is this your customer's? Yes, it is. Okay. This is the world-famous Marty Arostegui. Well, I thought that I recognized him coming down. I used to see him at Sunset Marina all, yep. when he would be fishing with the, um, the Delfts. Yeah. Good morning, Marty. How you Good doing? Good morning, Marty. How are you? All right. Well, we won't keep you too much longer. I really, really appreciate you meeting me down here at 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow, this is like the, the who's who of, of fishing <laughs> all of a sudden here at the Miami Beach Marina. But I know that you guys are ready to go. So I hope you have a great day today, Bouncer. Thank All you very much. All our days are great. Just some are greater than others. I believe that. We go fishing every day. So uh, uh, I really thank you for coming up and spending time with me, me so early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Not It was a beautiful environment. The temperature was perfect and everything. It's perfect. Not great quite as, Not quite as perfect as the uh, dining room in the condo, but not too shabby. <laughs> this is the best dining room there is. All right. Well, you guys have a great day. And I'll be watching your Instagram page to see what you caught today. You betcha. We'll be there. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Man, as always, I love talking to Bouncer Smith. He's got a lot of stories, man. A lot of stories. Let's just keep on talking all day. He can. I can. I can. I got to stop. He can keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Wow. That was incredible. So, not all podcasts are going to be done outside where you get all those noises and stuff like that. But I thought I, I think it actually was pretty cool. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, if you did, rate and review the show on iTunes. It'd be awesome if you give us a five-star rating. It'd be so cool. I would love that so much. I saw a bunch of ratings up there. Also, you can go to the podcast site, TomRollandPodcast.com. You can hit me with an email at podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. Let me know what you think. Tell me if you've got somebody that can tell a story better than Bouncer Smith, and I will track them down. All right, till next week. See ya. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.